What not the podcast lent up early? Holy Monday, April the 11th, year of our Lord, 2022. God's peace be with you. This is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Here's a, a discussion of the events from Holy Monday and a question about the Lutheran view of tithing. I uh, hope you enjoy the podcast. Here's a devotion for Monday of Holy Week. On Monday, so Sunday, uh, yesterday, Jesus makes his triumphal entry from Bethany over the Mount of Olives into Bethphage, onto the donkey and colt, down the Palm Sunday path. It wasn't called that yet. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to make a joke about that. Isn't it ironic that Jesus rides in the Palm Sunday path on Palm Sunday? But Anyway, you can go down that now, Jesus walked down the Mount of Olives through the, uh, right next to the Garden of Gethsemane, wept over Jerusalem, through the Kidron Valley, up into the temple, looks around, and then presumably goes back over the Mount of Olives, walking with his disciples back to Bethany. So that's all in Matthew 21, first nine verses, Mark 11, first nine verses, Luke 19, 28 to 44, John 12, 12 and following. Uh, it's Mark who tells us that Jesus goes back to Bethany, Mark 11, and so then it's on Monday that uh, Jesus comes back into Jerusalem and uh, goes then into the temple again and cleanses the temple. The, the way we're able to work out the chronology, which is somewhat complex here at this point, is because of Mark 11, which tells us of the cursing of the fig tree on Monday and then the withering of the fig tree on Tuesday. So it's that fig tree that helps us sort out the different days. And it helps us to know that the cleansing of the temple happened on Holy Monday rather than on um, Palm Sunday. If you just were reading through Matthew, it would look like it all happened on the same event. So anyway, uh, careful reading of these things. If you go to wolfmuller.co and search for chronology or Holy Week chronology, Look for the Holy Week chronology reboot, but any of the results that you have uh, will give you the list there. So we're on um, we're on Holy Monday, and Jesus cleanses the temple. It's going to be Matthew twenty one, ten to nineteen, Luke nineteen forty five to forty eight. Jesus talks about the attraction of sacrifice. John twelve twenty to fifty. So we put that little uh, sermon of Jesus also on Holy Monday. But the cleansing of the temple is a big deal. And um, it's interesting that the, I'm looking at Matthew 21 here, that the complaining that happens after the cleansing of the temple, and let me just drop this in here too. I'm one of those guys that thinks that there was two cleansings of the temples, one at the beginning of Jesus' ministry and one at the end. In, in fact, these events serve as bookends. And John gives us the early cleansing and Matthew gives us the late cleansing. Uh, a lot of more progressive-minded or liberal scholars scoff at that idea. They want to always see um, kind of discontinuities in the text to, to discredit the reliability of the text. But it's nice that um, we have an example of this. So two very, very similar events that have different points in the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. If you had 
I'll say it like this. If you had the feeding of 5,000 in Matthew and the feeding of 4,000 in John, then those same scholars would say that's got to be the same event. It's just the the writers get it wrong in where it was and this sort of thing. But it's so nice to actually have them. Like, for example, Matthew has both the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. You're like, oh, there's two different miracles. And there's two different purposes. One is, in fact, called the Jewish feeding and the other the Gentile feeding. The, the, the context is very different. The teaching is very different, even though the events are very similar. So also with the cleansing of the temple, the early cleansing and the late cleansing seem to have two different things going on there. And John is emphasizing the early, while Matthew, Mark, and Matthew and Luke are emphasizing the later cleansing. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that um, the Pharisees are complaining not only about the fact that Jesus is is casting out all those who buy and sell, overthrowing the tables, and all that are selling the doves. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. And then he starts healing people. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And then this is verse 15, Matthew 21. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They, they had that song, which is Psalm 118, verse 22, stuck in their, no, no, later, verse Psalm 118, let me pause and look it up. Psalm 118, verse 24 and 25. I should know that by now. Save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's beautiful. (laughs) Hosanna. We talked about that last week, how Hosanna doesn't show up in the Old Testament, just in the New. But, uh, uh, Hosanna, that song is stuck in their heads from the day before, and the children are around Jesus still singing Hosannas. And it says that the Pharisees were sore displeased, you would imagine. And they said unto him, Hearest thou what they say? And Jesus said to them, Yea, have you, ever re- have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. And then he left and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. So Holy Monday, Jesus cleanses the temple, heals the blind and the lame in the temple. The children are still singing their hosannas. The Pharisees are complaining. You got to know that they, their complaining is that not only are they complaining, they're already, I mean, they're plotting to try to figure out how to destroy Jesus. And, and they're still complaining that the children are singing Psalm 118 and Jesus to uh, answer the accusation, quotes Psalm 8, which is a beautiful psalm, and probably right next to Psalm 22 on, mm, on the prophecies of the emptying of Jesus, the humility and the suffering of Jesus. Uh, right next to Psalm uh, 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, when I was doing some research, when I was a baby pastor on Psalm 22, the the real the place where I was able to find uh, insight from Luther on what was going on was not from Psalm 22. In fact, his 
the Psalm 22 translation wasn't wasn't even translated. Mark Taylor translated that for me. In fact, you know, I think the only place you can find Luther's Psalm 22 commentary is uh, on my old website from Mark Taylor's translation of it from the Latin. In fact, in fact, in fact, I'm down a rabbit trail, but I, Mark Taylor, what a fantastic pastor and scholar. He had taught me Latin on vicarage, which I had forgotten. I mean, the minute he would teach me something, I would forget it. So then as a baby pastor, I got that Latin translation of Psalm 22 and I translated it myself and I sent it to Mark for to look over and he wrote back and said, never ever translate Latin again, Brian. <laughs> so... I've taken his advice. And then he translated it for me. Beautiful. That's where we get the threefold suffering of Jesus, the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. Physical, emotional, and spiritual. But it's in Psalm 8 that we see Luther talking about that. O Lord, our Lord, so O Yahweh, our Adonai, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger? When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, all the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Yahweh our Adonai, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So this is a psalm of the glory that God gives to man. It's the glory that was lost by Adam and Eve and it's the glory that's restored in Jesus. And he made him a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. It's an amazing sort of thing. That this is a psalm, and this is the surprise of the gospel. This is a psalm not about Adam, but about Christ, the new Adam, humbled and then exalted. And so Jesus quotes this psalm, uh, referring to himself and says, look, out of the mouths of babies and sucklings, you have ordained strength so that even the children are praising his name. So let the children sing their hosannas uh, because they are right. Mm. Holy Monday. God be praised. Alexandra has a great question about tithing. Hello, Pastor Wolfmuller. I just recently found you on YouTube, uh, and your videos have been very interesting and insightful. Thank you, Alexandra. I've since shared your videos with my husband, who's in the process of becoming a Lutheran. Fantastic. God bless you, husband. Uh, if you have more questions, please let me know. Uh, this is a marvelous process. Remember, the process of becoming Lutheran ought to be nothing other than the process of reading the Bible. If it's more than that, mm can't be less than that. This is a definitional thing, by the way. Here, I'm thinking about that because <clears throat> around here, I'm talking a lot about what it means to be Lutheran, and um, I'm happy about that. But we got to remember that, that to be Lutheran is nothing special. 
it ought not to be anything special at all. It's just this, it, it ought to be the attitude of every Christian. It's just whatever the Lord says something, we say, okay, okay. That's the, the, this is what we're fighting for. The, the Lutheran church, to be, to be Lutheran, has to be fighting for that simplicity. Uh, amidst the, the, a bunch of competing complexities, and the Lutheran church just has to be saying, okay, whatever you say, Lord. Anyway. Uh, Alexandra continues, we have a question for you. What's the Lutheran church's stance on tithing? Good question. Uh, the answer is that the Christian, a part of our Christian life is to support the church. And so the church is, um, especially, and there's two things that are commanded to be supported in the church, the poor and the pastor. Sometimes that's the same thing. Uh, but not mostly around here, but sometimes. So the poor and the past, and the work of the church, the life of the church, etc. So, um, so the Bible talks about giving to support the work of the church. In the Old Testament, there was a specific number, but we got to remember that in the Old Testament, the temple, the priesthood, and the government was all supported by the people's tithe. In fact, there was a ten percent temple tithe and a ten percent on top of that tithe to support the work of the state uh, appointed by God. Now, who knows if what the numbers actually were. I, I imagine that they would have expanded when you got the kings. That was one of the dangers in Deuteronomy. And when you get a king, he's going to raise your tithe. But So you had a 20% flat tax, basically, in the Old Testament that supported the temple and the state. Someone will have done some more work on this and will be able to send me an email so I can correct any uh, small errors here. But in the New Testament, we never see that uh, number repeated. There never any um, command that the Christian should give ten percent, or five percent, or fifty percent, or or whatever. It uh, the the key thing from Saint Paul, who says that Jesus, who became rich, who was rich, became poor, so that we might have the riches of God in Him. That would be Second Corinthians nine eight or right around that, uh, that is a beautiful passage which becomes the foundation for our Christian giving. So the Christian gives to support the work and life of the church. I, I always think of it like this, that we always support what we love. So if we love fine art, you give to the museum, and if you love opera, you support the opera, whatever. If you love the gospel, you support the church that's preaching the gospel. So God be praised for that. And I think that 10% is a good um, kind of benchmark to have in mind. Like if uh, um, if you're giving uh, 2% of your income, you think, you know, I'm, I'm going to expand it. So I'm going to shoot for 10%. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to try to go up a percent this year, up a percent next year. So in the next seven years, I'm going to try to get to 10% and support the work of the church, the local church and the church at large uh, with... Uh, with the money and the and the gifts that God has given me, uh, so that's the that's the basic idea as I understand it. And who knows? Some people uh, might have uh, jobs or life situations where they're just making a ton of money, and they can live off ten percent of their income, and ninety percent of it becomes uh, giving to support the church and the gospel and other things that they find worthwhile. Uh, other people um, can't give at all. In fact, they might need to go and ask the church for help. So sometimes we're giving to the church, and sometimes the church is giving to us and supporting us. 
uh, just depending on how things are going in life and so forth. So um, so that's the, the basic idea. Now, God loves a cheerful giver. And this is one of the things that the discipline of tithing or giving helps because we always think that money, mm, money will make us happy. Money will make us safe. Money will make us secure. If I only had a little bit more, we say, and then a little bit more, a little bit more, that's always right around the corner. And then at some point you flip over to the other side and then you start to worry. You go from worrying that you don't have enough to worrying that you're going to lose what you have. <laughs> and um, this becomes an idol. Luther says, and he's riffing on the sermon of Jesus who calls mammon, calls money mammon, which is an idol name. So Jesus gives money the, uh, a, a, a false god name like uh, Ashtoreth or Baal or Zeus. Jesus calls money mammon. It's amazing. Luther riffing off that says that mammon is the most common idol amongst humanity. So when we say, look, I'm going to use my money not for myself and not for my own belly and not for my own pleasure, but I'm going to use my money to build uh, eternal friends, to, to make sure the forgiveness of sins is given out in the world and make sure the gospel is preached. Uh, then, we're, uh, then we're storing up treasures in heaven, uh, less concerned with the troubles of this life and more concerned with the joys of the life to come. So we're working on that discipline, uh, killing our own belly God uh, by serving uh, the people around us. So that's the idea of tithing. Hope that's helpful, Alexandra. And uh, I'd love to hear how the process is going with your husband's catechesis and what questions he has. And uh, hopefully uh, this is helpful for the rest of you too, thinking about this. And may God continue to support the, the preaching of his word uh, in, in every place. And, and may he give us joy in supporting that preaching at our own local congregation. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. You know, the, some of the references uh, for the Holy Week stuff I wrote in a Lutheran Witness article. If you go on the Lutheran Witness website, it should be there, devotional tools for uh, for Holy Week. Then um, it has some links there. I, I should send it out on the Wednesday whatnot. This is the first week I, I got skunked on Wednesday whatnot. It didn't happen last week. That's the first time that that's, that's happened in a long time. But the keyboard was elusive. Man, and if last week was something... It's just a good thing that this podcast gets recorded on my cell phone. Anyhow, uh, I'll try to get those resources sent out sometime soon. I might have a little keyboard time today to do that. So if you're subscribed to the Wednesday Whatnot, um, it, money you can get your money back, by the way. It's free, so you already have your money back, I suppose. But if you're not subscribed to the Wednesday Whatnot, why tarriest thou? Uh, go jump in on that, and I'll try to get those... Holy Week resources out there. Hope this is helpful too to think through these things in real time this week. It's a real um, beautiful day for beautiful week for the devotional reflection as we consider all the things happening in the life of Jesus leading up to his suffering and crucifixion. So may God grant us that joy, that courage and wisdom from his word and spirit. Uh, keep in touch. Keep those questions coming. Wolfmuller.co slash contact. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. God's peace be with you.